I don't know what's happening. As the boss of the podcast, I'm concerned that I don't know what's happening. I've only seen it on YouTube. I have so I'm, many questions. Do I need to move on? <laughs> Please. <so>. Okay. okay. <laughs> Does Eyes Wide Shut count as a Christmas movie? No. What's wrong with you? After giving away all of the Mandalorian, this is where we're going to draw the line on spoilers. Wilson! Oh, I was not listening. <laughs> that is very apparent to everyone on the podcast that you were not listening. Did we just J.J. Abrams' this podcast where we had a great 90% and then couldn't land it? Yeah, pretty well. Okay, here's where y'all are so wrong because y'all are idiots. Just to be clear, did you say Robert De Niro? Yes. I'm sorry. Have you seen the movie? Have you not seen Godfather Part 2? Oh, no. You used to take that back. As the boss of this podcast, I'm going to say that. All right. The, the listeners at home can't see the look of the <laughs> yeah. movie I have on my face right now. But I, I, want, I want them to know that I am dumbfounded by that comment. This is not the podcast you deserve. Michael Bay and Jerry Bruckheimer have teamed up multiple times throughout their careers. Con Air, The Rock, Bad Boys, pretty much every one of your favorite action movies from the late 90s, early 2000s. That includes Ridiculous Plot, actors that make you think, why would you take this role? And lots and lots of explosions. And it doesn't take long to know you're in a Bay Brokheimer production. This week, we are talking about the best Bay Brokheimer film ever, the 1998 instant classic, Armageddon. I'm Kyle, joined by Drew and Drew. One of them is more handsome than the other. I'll let you decide which one that is based on nothing but their voices. Hello. And this week, <laughs> there, there's one of them. The other one? Hi. Mm, and I think that's actually a pretty good indicator of which one is which. Uh, and this week we watched Armageddon together, but separately, but also together, but also separate. And uh, we're going to talk about it today as it's one of my favorite films. Uh, and to set this up, I'm going to read the IMDb description of the storyline of Armageddon for you guys. And it reads as follows. After discovering that an asteroid the size of Texas is going to impact Earth in less than a month, NASA recruits a misfit team of deep core drillers to save the planet. Amazon Prime uh, summary. Once again, the world is threatened by Armageddon, a dangerous that is heading straight for Earth. Our only hope will be to send a team of roughneck drillers to dig a hole big enough to place a bomb and shatter the meteor. This movie is lots of fun on many levels. It is a parody of disaster movies. However, the characters don't know that they are a parody and play it straight. This allows us to have fun without having to listen to a bunch of campy, over-the-top one-liners that don't match the movie. It's a father-daughter story, and of all things, the father would have to be Bruce Willis, who brings his killer formula to the story and fits his part perfectly. The daughter, played by Liv Tyler, before her The Lord of the Rings fame, adds a great catalyst to the story. The rest of the team is rounded off by contemporary actors of which you will recognize immediately. The graphics and action both explosive and will hold you to the end. This movie is worth watching over again so you can see the nuances that were missed the first time through. That guy gets it. I think Kyle wrote that. (laughs) That guy gets it. Uh, So before we get too far into the movie itself, I want to talk a little bit about the director and the cast and the producer and the writers. And uh, so Michael Bay directed this film uh, and there's, I had six traits of Michael Bay films. If you guys think of others, uh, jump in. Uh, number one, they're all extremely loud. 
because number two, there's all of the explosions in all of his movies. <laughs> it is basically just like two hours of lots of really loud explosions in Michael Bay movies. Uh, number three, there's incredible amounts of destruction in all of his movies. Like even if you think of Bad Boys, which is the most like down to earth of his movies, they still blow up like an entire city, like pretty much blow up an entire small neighborhood. One of my um, favorite things about his movies and the like carnage is that it's it's always random stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, there's explosions and stuff, but he'll drive like cars through giant trucks that are just carrying like 90 10 gallon water cans and they just yeah. so that water will explode everywhere a, yeah or or someone's just stacked like 75 perfect boxes full of confetti and then they'll just like run a transformer through it so just confetti goes and it's like where where, where are you finding these things in the world like who's just leaving these out yeah uh, and I also why is everything so explosive I was watching the scene where like Paris gets blown up and people are running through the cities and things are just blowing up left and right. And I was just sitting in my, on my couch, fully expecting a transformer just pop out of this movie about oil rigger, oil drillers in space. I was like, where's the, where is Optimus Prime? Where is, uh, he's in the asteroid. This is actually a a prequel to, (laughs) this is how they got there. This is how they got to, this was a Decepticon actually. Uh, and they just they nuked it and then my last three points for michael bay director traits are circle shots in slow motion with fantastic background Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, constantly moving cameras he very rarely has a still shot and the last one is insane amount of quick cuts uh one of the imdb trivias for this movie is the average the average length but a cut was a one and a half seconds for this movie this is a two hour and 30 minute movie and the average length of the cut was 1.5 seconds. That Amazing. is wild. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so directed by Michael Bay. Screenplay by J.J. Abrams. So if somebody wants to tell me this story is stupid, I tell you, shut up. Uh, produced Wait, by Jerry Bruckheimer. Who did he have do the ending for him? Because J.J. <laughs> so, Abrams only does the first 90%. So I, I'm going to get to this here in a little bit. Maybe fleshed out more. But I love this movie. But I think the third act is a drag compared to the first two acts at least, which is why I'm like, yeah, this makes sense. J.J. Abrams did this. Couldn't <laughs> land it. Um, produced by Jerry Bruckheimer, who did Con Air, The Rock, Bad Boys, etc. cetera, uh, with Michael Bay. Um, then the cast, guys, this movie stars. It's, it's Bruce, everybody. Bruce Willis, Billy Bob Thornton, Ben Affleck, Liv Tyler, Will Patton, Steve Buscemi, Owen Wilson, Michael Clark Duncan, Will Fitchner, Peter Stormare, Keith David, Jason Isaacs. I could go on, but I didn't want to keep going down IMDb anymore. That was it for me. It's just an incredible character actor after character actor after character actor with also Ben Affleck. Um, so this movie has got an amazing cast uh, and so much fun. Um, and uh, and then kind of leading in from there, talking about a little bit about the director, the J.J. Abrams for the screenplay, director, uh, producer, the cast. Let's just jump right in, guys, because the biggest knock against Armageddon is the plot holes. And I want to hear about everybody's favorite plot hole or just like the thing you're like, man, what a, what a giant lapse in logic that was to get from point A to point B. I'll begin. Here's the first one. Give you guys some time to think. The head of NASA who's charged with figuring out how to save the world comes up with this plan. They spent like three days on it, didn't sleep. It's like, this is the best plan. This is what we got. Then he brings in an, an oil rig driller 
who changes his mind in half a minute. It says like one line of dialogue. He's like, yeah, you're right. Let's do it your way. <laughs> Just immediately he flipped 360. So you know what? Why don't we just do it your way instead? I think 180 is the actual flip to get you away from what you were doing. Three. I mean, he's he's just charismatic as hell, man. Yeah, I mean, if if Bruce Willis told me something, I'd probably follow him. He Did you guys have Bruce a- Willis, Yeah, he brings Bruce Willis on in, in the NASA and then said, "This is our plan." And Bruce Willis is like, "All right, I'll help you out, but my only stipulation is it's going to be my crew, and you're not doing it. I'm doing it." And then it cuts to Billy Bob Thornton's reaction shot, which is whatever you need, you have it. We'll pay for it. <laughs> whatever you need, guy. We just picked off an oil rig. <laughs> we're we're on your time here. <laughs> the uh, uh, the the big one that I was struck with uh, rewatching it was just like how many things when I first saw it when I was younger, I just took in stride as like that. Yeah, of course, that's what would happen. Right. Uh, what else would they do? And so the first time. I reheard, oh, he's got space dementia. And everybody was just like, yeah, obviously that's a disease that exists. And the first time I saw it, I was like, obviously, what a terrible shame. He got space dementia. I hope it's I hope everybody else doesn't get it. I hope they duct tape him to that chair. Oh, they did. Yeah. Hearing it the second time, I was like, how was I okay with that? That is the laziest (laughs) writing I've ever heard. How does this guy just be like space dementia? It exists. Don't ask any questions. He's got it. Yeah. He's crazy now. I think one of the ones that stuck out to me the first time I saw it and every time I see it afterwards is that uh, uh, Ben Affleck gets fired by Bruce Willis off his oil rig because he's banging his daughter. Sure. And uh, like two days later, Bruce Willis goes to pick him up to go to space. And AJ, Ben Affleck's character, already has his own oil rig company complete with signs and an actual rig that seems to be pretty deep like into the earth and it's been two days since he was fired and kicked off the ship it was just like yeah ben affleck got busy that is wild he's Uh, good at drilling man he must be good at drilling uh another thing i wanted to spend yeah i didn't do it it was too the fruit was too low hanging uh i want to talk for a minute about the relationship with chick and his family because that has always just struck me as, as, a, as a huge problem. Where Chick, played by Will Patton, Bruce Willis's right-hand man, is, uh, we find out, is divorced and not allowed to see his child. And so before he goes to space to save the world, he just shows up at their house and says hello to his son, whom he hasn't seen in a long time, and just leaves a toy space shuttle on the ground and says... Give, give him this. Don't tell him it's from me, but I got something big coming up. And she's like, get out of here. Then the end of the movie, when they've saved the world, she's there with her son and he's like run into him like, daddy, I, I didn't know who you were two hours ago in this movie, but now I'm proud of you because you saved the world. Just like, man, what happened and why? Well, it just shows that children are dumb and can be bought off with simple trinkets for their love. Mm. It, yes, yes, uh, that's... It's all about just buying toys, not act, not actual, you know, affection, not or, being you know, there, time. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's overrated. Of course, not. Of course not. My favorite plot hole is I, I normally don't like to be very like semantic with movies, but the fact that fire doesn't exist in space, and yeah. Michael Bay decided to make a space movie is hysterical to me, and the fact that Michael Bay just decided to totally disregard that fact, totally. 
and put yeah, all multiple of regular you know, <laughs> explosions throughout the movie. And yeah. just like, nah, this is not really that uh, realistic. Like, I think I, I, IMDb trivia says that NASA uses this space during, or using this movie during their training and they require their new hirees to find all of the mistakes in yep. it. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, 168 mistakes have been found according to IMDb trivia and NASA, uh, which lets you know it's going to be a good movie. So, yeah. Uh, the I, uh, I I will say one other one I have I don't know that's necessarily like a plot hole. It's just more of like a problem I have with the movie. Is uh, listen, I get it. You want to have people in your movies uh, that you put in positions of power that are going to like go rogue every now and then and make like you know the the hard choice even when like somebody it tells him not to but literally everybody in this movie breaks the chain of command like literally everyone i mean from just like low level people at nasa to high level people at nasa to like generals defying the president to like uh people in space to find those who are not in space to people in space to find those people who are also in space with guns uh like just everybody breaks the chain of command. And it's like, I need, the world is ending. I need some sort of structure in my life, please. Jason Isaac's character, who is just like a NASA kind of nobody. He overrules the president's uh, advisor for space or whatever. I think it was his, I can't, can you remember the title? Is like his uh, chief engineer is overruled by Jason Isaac's character with one line of dialogue of, uh, the Keith David says, well, the president's advisor says, you know, this will work. And Jason Isaacs just responds, well, I know the president's advisor. I went to school with him and he doesn't want to be taking advice from someone who made a C minus in astrophysics, let me tell you. And that's like it. Then they, they just never talk about the president's advisor's plan again. They just go with <laughs> Jason Isaacs' plan. It's like, dude, yeah, cool. Y'all were at Harvard together and he made a C minus and you didn't. Great, you win. Um, I think something else that sticks out to me when I watch this movie again is that there's all there's a bunch of different shots. It's a it's a movie of the world. It's a movie of the people all around the world. <laughs> there are shots in America, shots in France, India, Africa, all over the place. And every time they go to these these cities for shots of seeing meteors coming or seeing you know the nuke go off or whatever, it's always daylight in all of the places. <laughs> and I don't know much about science. I know even less about the world, but I do know that it can't be sunlight everywhere all the time. And the fact that it, that fact for some reason that it's just never dark in any of the scenes makes me upset. Maybe the light refracts around the asteroid. But there's a bunch of green stuff behind the asteroid. I don't know if you saw the green stuff. That's how you know Clearly. it's a Decepticon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I think the, the biggest takeaway, maybe, not, maybe it's not a plot hole, maybe it's not a lapse in logic, but just like everything that could possibly go wrong to this group of people goes wrong and most of it's in space which is why I never want to go to space but like wires catch fire for no reason and blow up the space station like there's a gas leak explosions in space like Drew said like crew members are trapped outside the door and like it's about to take off the space dementia like you talked about earlier Drew like there's a Mm -hmm. broken pipe like when they finally drill the whole goddamn hole the pipe thing it's like broken in there and then when they finally get that out the the remote detonator no longer works for the nuke and then when they finally decide who's going to stay and blow up the bomb then they get he gets knocked there's a there's a meteor quake and he fall the detonator falls into a hole and then he's got to get up there and 
pick it up and blow it up before. It's just like everything that could, like I'm surprised they didn't have a flat tire on the way to the to the tarmac. I'm surprised like nobody like broke their leg like walking up the stairs to yeah. get on the shuttle because literally everything else goes wrong. I will say like every space story has to have an element of that, right? Something goes wrong when you're in space, but it's normally like one, maybe two things. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they spend the whole movie trying to overcome that. that and this thing. is like you, like the emotional importance of a obstacle is totally lost because it's like, well, another one's going to pop up in about, I don't know, nine cut scenes, which is 18 <laughs> seconds. So, uh, uh, yeah. I don't have time to worry about this one. I've got 14 other problems coming up in the next two minutes. No, you're dead on. Um, and so you to mentioned catch- the third act being a little wild or crazy, um, getting off the rails a little bit. And I agree, but I would take that even further because I like stopped the movie when it got to the asteroid and we were one hour, one and a half hours into a two and a half hour movie. Yeah. And from an hour on, it was one problem after the other in an almost epileptic fashion where I couldn't keep up. Like even like from the Russian space station on, it was yeah. the amount of times the Russian space station blew up with Ben Affleck still in the hole. And then the amount of times <laughs> it blew up while he was crawling out of the hole. And then the amount of times it blew up as he was, they were both running into the spaceship was mind numbing. I was like, there's no, when is this thing just going to blow up? They've been dead. 1200 times and the space (laughs) shuttle is still attached to the space station and then they make it out alive there are no stakes until they get to the asteroid and there are a bunch of stakes because they just start dropping left and right yeah and i think that's one of the best things about this movie is with that star-studded cast no one is safe because they kill off some pretty big names very quickly in this movie um and uh but also the great thing about this movie too is those first two acts are just filled with incredible lines. Some of them one-liners, some of them conversations between incredible actors. Um, what my favorite, uh, my favorite line in the whole movie is when uh, Carl, the guy who first sees the meteorite headed towards Earth, because he's got that big old telescope, and he calls NASA and he's telling them, you know, hey, there's a meteorite coming. I can see it. And they're like, okay, yeah. And he goes, hey, I get to name it, right? And Billy Bob Thornton says, sure, yeah, you, you get to name it. He's like, I saw it first, I get to name it. Billy Bob Thornton's like, yeah, sure, name it. And he says, I want to name it Dottie after my wife. She's a vicious, life-sucking bitch from which there is no escape. <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton just says, that's real nice, Carl. And that, move, that, that line always makes me cry laughing. It's so great. He named a meteorite that's going to blow up the world after yeah, his wife The, the wife is sitting right in front of him, too, being like, oh, that's actually a really sweet thing. And then he finishes the line with, you crazy bitch, and <laughs> flips him off. And it's like, wow. And, and the fact that she flips him off and just sitting there in the room, and they both are just going to be continuing on with the rest of their life, continue yeah. to be married together. <laughs> so I, I know we're moving into lines, but I want to say that is another plot hole that bothered me is like, NASA, I, I get that they're underfunded right now or whatever, but like they're, they know about things. They cause panic today for no reason. They're like, oh, there's a meteor on track to hit Earth. And people are like, what? Click on that story. And then it's like, if it stays on this path, it will hit us in 600 years. And you're like, right. what in the world? What are we talking about? And they're like, it's probably not going to hit us. They didn't know about this one for a month. 
I, well, I think what you're forgetting is the line. Uh, well, our budget, our our object collision budget's a million dollars. That allows us to track about three percent of the sky. And begging your pardon, sir, but it's a big ass sky. Yes. So. And so I was going to say, this movie has a lot of what I call thank you for smoking uh, isms to it. And that to me is, there's a scene of thank you for smoking when uh, Aaron Eckhart is trying to convince Rob Lowe to, to put cigarettes into his next movie. Rob Lowe is a big producer for movies. Aaron Eckhart is, a, is, a, is the salesman essentially for big tobacco. He's like, hey, yeah, with the next movie you got you know, Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie in space. Yeah, just give him a pack of cigarettes yeah. and smoke. And, uh, and Aaron Eckhart goes, what? Oh, is that won't work? There's no, there's no lightness. There's no fire in space. And Rob Lowe says, oh, it's one line of dialogue. Thank God we invented the, you know, whatever. There it is fixed. And anytime I see something in a movie where it's just like one throwaway line of dialogue, it's like, ah, we don't need to come back to that severe plot hole again. I'm like, oh, thank yeah. you for smoking. We, we've addressed it. Move along. Which in this movie was uh, Bruce Willis saying, you know, drilling's an art. It's not a science. I've been doing my whole life. I still haven't gotten it right. Your Boy Scouts over there aren't going to be able to do it. I need my own guys to do it with me. Which gets to play with her and say, okay, let's do it. Let's get Michael Clark Duncan and Owen Wilson, put them on a spaceship and see what happens. I love that a guy um, saying, I still haven't figured it out yet is the selling <laughs> point for I'm the best in the world at I'm it. A th- I'm a third generational driller. I've done it all my life. I still haven't figured it out yet. Yeah, how can you argue with that? We're not third generational drillers. We can't say that's wrong. The opening scene of this movie is a, a shot from outer space of earth it says you know the dinosaurs once roamed this earth and then tragedy struck and then freaking meteorites come out and blow up the earth or whatever and then it says and it's coming again and then the next scene is a title card that says 65 million years later and i was just like yes this movie is great it's an epic it's spanning 65 million years um and then the That's, next that scene is one that, big establishing shot Yes, it is. And then the next scene from that 65 million year time jump is Bruce Willis hitting golf balls off an oil rig onto a, a boat of protesters protesting the oil drilling, um, which goes immediately to him finding out Ben Affleck is, is banging his daughter, Liv Tyler. And he, uh, he like lifts up the sheet and Liv Tyler's under there. And she says, hi, Harry. And he goes, I have repeatedly asked you to call me dad, which I think is like one of the coolest <laughs> openings for a dad and daughter relationship and then as he's chasing ben affleck's character across the oil rig shooting a shotgun shotgun at him saying make your peace with god aj <laughs> like what what a killer line as a father to a daughter i can only hope that one day i'm shooting a shotgun at someone saying make your peace with god uh and, and to, to save my daughter i think that's great now, another How is, love- oh. if i were to tell you that in any movie uh, a michael bay movie one of the main characters shoots a shotgun on an oil rig, you would say 100% something blows up. That's such a great point. And Lights how is that the scene the where nothing blows up? That's the, the one scene. All over Another thank you for smokingism. And one of my favorite lines is uh, Jason Isaac um, explaining why they have to drill a hole into the asteroid and they can't just shoot a couple nukes at it. And he says, imagine a firecracker in the palm of your hand. You like the firecracker and what happens? You burn your hand. Now, if you close your fist around that firecracker and then set it off, your wife will be opening your ketchup bottles for you for the rest of your life. I was like, first off, I don't think that makes any sense. Secondly, I don't care anymore because that was such a great way of explaining it to me. You win. Thank you so quickly. (laughs) So quickly. Do you think Jason Pierre-Paul saw this movie and was like, I don't think that's right. 
I was just about to make a JPP joke. That's good for you. Get out of my brain. My, my favorite um, line as relates to Harry and AJ's relationship is they have a constant little callback or uh, running gag of the five words bit. Yeah. And AJ's attempt at it is the greatest of all time. Harry there, uh, when he has to, Harry has to walk back and, and ask him for help after firing him and tell him he's no good ever amount to anything. He's like, I only got five words for it. I want to hear from you right now. And those words are, you know, AJ, I really look up to you. You've been a hero of mine for some time. And I'm really impressed with your work. And I'm emotionally closed off. And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like 11 or something. But yeah, you know. Uh, <laughs> ben Affleck's great in this movie, too. And I don't think I've ever yeah, said those done. words. Um, and then I think uh, one of the funniest lines in the movie, besides Owen Wilson and Ben Affleck arguing about who would be Han Solo and who would be Chewie, uh, which I think is a great scene. Um, Owen Wilson is asking uh, Billy Bob Thornton's character, like, what's it going to be like up there? And when we got on the asteroid, and Billy Bob Thornton's like, well, it'll be a lot of, a lot of explosions, rock shifting. It'll be 300 degrees Fahrenheit in the, in the sun. It'll be minus 200 in the shade. And Owen Wilson goes, oh, so scariest environment imaginable. That's all you had to say was scariest environment imaginable. And he just continues to go on throughout the scene. This it was so a beautiful good. young Owen Wilson line yeah. reading. Like, yeah. He's, he's great uh, in Owen movie. Wilson. Uh, I still think one of the greatest lines ever is uh, just let me show you how we fix things on Russian space station. And he just <laughs> starts beating it with a, uh, with a wrench or whatever. And he's like, yes, I'll be American, American components, Russian components, all made in Taiwan. He just starts <laughs> you with the wrench. It's so great. And then uh, um, one of the best F-bombs ever dropped in movie cinema history is Billy Bob Thornton at Keith David when Keith David's saying, I'm going to, we're going to detonate, remote detonate. I've got an order to do it. And Billy Bob Thornton says, that's one order you shouldn't follow. You effing know it. And I was just like, dude, yeah, that's so cool. Good for you, Billy Bob Thornton. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate appreciate when movies have like, you know, the one F-bomb rule or whatever. Yeah. um, And when they use it well, it's like, okay, good for you. You didn't throw it away. You didn't waste it. Yeah, uh, you, you used it to its max capacity. If you had told uh, me that the head of NASA was going to be played by Billy Bob Thornton in your movie, I would not have believed that it was going to work out so well. But what is it about Billy Bob Thornton as Truman that makes me believe in NASA so much more than if uh, the Isaac's character was the lead of nasa i think it's because he really wanted to be up there in that shuttle but he couldn't because of a knee injury so he's a guy who just wants to be in space so bad but he can't he's he's, loves space that much goes home with his bum knee lays atop his bed with his stick on blue on stars on his ceiling dreaming of outer space where he (laughs) with his with his little space shuttle that his estranged father gave him when he was a child (laughs) wow my, my favorite line, as long as we're still doing lines, I, mm-hmm. uh, before we get away from it, is uh, none of them want to pay taxes again. Is <laughs> yes. the greatest, like, That's beautiful, deep. beautiful line reading by yes. uh, Bruce Willis. Does a phenomenal job. And then the greatest line of the whole movie by Will Patton, who plays Chig. What are you doing with a gun in space? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Will uh, Patton doing this movie and Gone in 60 Seconds, like that, he is that role in my mind forever. That's fair. And I think that only is, Titans? No. <laughs> only 
the only one I've got that might be better than that one is what do you do with a gun in space is uh, when, when they're, when the shuttle's taken off and Harry's got like 10 seconds to blow it up and they're in, in sharp is thinking about turning the spaceship around to go back. And, and uh, AJ says, Harry will do it. I know he will. He doesn't know how to fail. And, and just tears start wailing at that point in time. Cause he loves him like a dad, you know? And then Bruce Willis gets the detonator and says, we win Gracie. We win. And then it's the button. Oh my God. I'm crying. Just thinking about it. Maybe the best mo- scene in any movie in the history of movies. That might be it right there. I'm crying right now. Oh my gosh. Well, what you have to think about that in, in, in that moment, after they've drilled the hole, which they haven't been able to drill for an hour and a half, the spaceship leaves after having engine troubles, and then Bruce Willis falls down the hole without the remote detonator that doesn't work, and they're flying away on a spaceship that doesn't work into a planet that's blowing up, and then Bruce Willis crawls out of the hole against gravity to find the spaceship and plugs it back in. The batteries are out, so he charges it with his mind, and then <laughs> he finally is able to press the button. And it takes like a five seconds to really breathe in the moment of like, we did it. <laughs> we win, we did it. You, yeah. you... <laughs> we just seconds we don't have. <laughs> it's a good thing he also had the timer in front of him. So he knew, I got time for one last line to my daughter. Um, and moving on from best lines, because I think there's so many good lines. I think this movie is so great because the dialogue is fantastic. For the first two thirds of this movie, it is kind of just zinger after zinger after great scene after great scene. Which brings me to your favorite scenes. Um, the We already kind of talked about the oil rig scene where Bruce Willis is chasing Ben Affleck with a shotgun. Um, we already talked about push the button stamper at the end when he, when he blows up the nuke. Um, but I think my favorite scene or kind of montage of scenes is the mental and physical health evaluations that they do when the, when the crew gets to NASA <laughs> and it's Steve Buscemi just being super weird and it's Michael Clark Duncan like crying in front of the psychologist. <laughs> and, uh, and so that's, I think, my favorite one. And then the, uh, the huge guy, I can't remember his name, uh, like running away from the lady with the little tiny shot. Uh, like that, that scene is just fan-freaking-tastic. You're talking about Max or Max? Max. Yeah, 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 Max. Yeah. Uh, I love all the things of Steve Buscemi like slowly deteriorating in space with his space yes. dementia. Yeah. Uh, it's a common, oh man, I remember the first time I got space dementia, uh, but it was, it's so funny. And then like him, like riding the nuke, uh, yeah. like a horse is so funny. I, I laugh every time, you know, he talks about like, I got a front row seat for the end of the world and stuff. Yes. And uh, he's so mad when he, they put him back on the shuttle and like, they're going to die. And he's like, what are you talking about? I had a great seat out there. Now I'm going to die in here. <laughs> and so then I, when they I, finally like get home, like get to safety and then Will Patton's like, I didn't want to tell anybody this, but I'm kind of afraid of flying. And Steve Buscemi says like something like, you think you're scared? I owe a hundred grand to a loan shark that's been on a stripper named Molly Mouse. <laughs> what a throwaway line. That's so great. Like, I, I never really liked Steve Buscemi's character in this movie because he's kind of, he's Weasley a little bit and, and a womanizer and also has a pedophile line a couple times. Like four, <laughs> yeah. like three or four of his first lines are like, I didn't know how old she was like, yeah, or something yeah. like that. Like, does not play, does not play. <laughs> Very problematic uh, back then and now. But uh, learning that he took on the role thinking that his character was going to be just a super genius and yeah. then 
when they hired when Steve Bushing was cast, they then wrote in a bunch of creepy stuff for his character to be. <laughs> yeah. It kind of makes me be like, oh, he didn't know. <laughs> I think he had just done Con Air, where he was a cannibal who ate like little girls. And he's like, oh, I get to be a movie where I'm a scientist and I get to go to space. And they're like, well, you're kind of just a creepy guy who might be a cannibal who eats 13-year-old girls. Wait, who did we cast for this part? Oh, we'll have some fun with it now. <laughs> same director, same producer, same actor. Same pretty much character, just in a different world. Would it shock you guys to know that Armageddon, which I think we can all agree by this point, is the best movie ever made, has a 38% on Rotten Tomatoes from the critics? In a 73% audience score, but 38% Rotten Tomatoes. It, uh, it grossed $550 million to the box office, 6.7 on IMDb out of 10. And uh, I guess it wasn't until this, this latest viewing. I was like a full-fledged adult, like with wife and child and bills to pay and stuff, you know. And I watched this movie and I was like, I can see. No, I still can't. I can't see why people don't think this is the best movie ever made. Uh, so is, is this the greatest movie of all time? My vote um, is yes. Let me enlighten you a little bit on why that might be the case. Because okay. this was the first time I watched the movie and liked it a little bit less than I normally do. And I had to do some soul searching to figure out what's wrong with me that I didn't enjoy this movie as much as I should. And I think the main part came in that second half of the movie where I don't know if I've just gotten fatigued at the end of the night when I sort of watched the movie, but I like literally hit the, the remote to see how much longer I had. And we were still at an hour left. They had just gotten to the asteroid. And I was like, okay, I'm ready for this movie to be over. That's probably a little bit on me. But then for the next hour, it was problem after problem after problem after problem. There were 34 problems with them drilling the hole. And then there were 17 side problems that they had to solve while the president wanted to blow them up at any moment. And then once they dig the hole, they have a pipe stuck in there that Ben Affleck has to crawl down another tunnel to fix the problem and then he gets pulled out and they have to draw straws and then space dementia and it's just like one thing after another it's just like man i am ready for this movie to be over just drill the damn hole place the damn bomb (laughs) blow up the damn asteroid (laughs) this movie could have ended 15 in 15 minutes this could have been an hour and 45 minutes and we could have gotten home and i wouldn't have been so seasick from all the explosions and fast cuts in space Spikes. I will. I will relent that this movie could have had a cleaner third act. I will say that, but I, I still think it and might be the best also, movie of the time. It could have used one, just one, like monument scene to Paris, the city that got blown up. Like that whole city got annihilated by an asteroid, and it cuts from them landing to a fun wedding <laughs> post credits. No, like millions of people died. You didn't like how long it was, but you wanted one more scene to celebrate. And Hong Kong. Well, I didn't like how long. Interesting. I didn't like how long. The- if we're going to make it this long, we might as well make it a little bit longer. No, no, don't act like that's my. No, I was. That's exactly what you just said. Explosions. They're explosion, explosion, explosion. We have to drill the hole. Oh, no. The drill bit broke. Put another drill bit in there. That broke. We've done this eight get times. Get another drill bit. There's a we, get, we get it. That broke. Yeah, well, you didn't get it because you're thinking that I'm only concerned with the length of the movie. Crawford, is this the best movie ever made? Okay. I, I don't, I don't think it's the best movie ever made. I do like it a lot. I will say, uh, it might be one of the best Michael Bay movies ever made. So 
That is and, tough, yeah. And I love The Rock. The Rock is yeah. one of my favorite movies. Con um, Air is one of my faves. Yeah. yeah, you've said it a couple of times. Michael Bay didn't do that movie. He didn't? Are you sure? Yeah, Jerry Bruckheimer did, did Con Air. Uh, Who directed my, Con Air? I was looking at it earlier. Simon West. I could. I was for sure that was Michael Bay. Yeah. There's so many explosions. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Anyway. Um, the... I, I was going to sh- share it with you afterwards, but you, you said it again. So I was like, yeah, oh, I did it again. I brought put you on blast. Um, but one of the things I really liked about this movie specifically is the music. Um, uh, yeah. I thought the soundtrack is fantastic. And then when I was looking at his IMDb page earlier, I realized he did like 50 music videos. That was his career early on. He was a director of music videos, which makes so much more sense to me of like why he was so into the music scene and how he could pick such great uh, music. And in fact, uh, this movie got nominated for four Academy Awards. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, but they were all like effects and or soundtrack yeah. slash music, uh, which makes sense because they weren't like, ooh, best portrayal of a oil rigger uh, goes to Bruce Willis. Uh, <laughs> but it's fine. Um, but no, I, I love the music and I, I love uh, the explosions. And I know Michael Bay is like a, a trope now as far as like the way he directs, but this was one of his first real movies. So it was like yeah. number two or three, right? Um, so this was one that really kicked it off and solidified it for him. And I love that because uh, I thought it was, it's still really fun. It still really holds up, which you can't say that a lot about a lot of 90s movies. Uh, I feel like most movies from when we were kids, we either love because we were kids uh, or we love because they were so cool at the time, but now they've really yeah. not aged well. And this was one that, yeah, it's funny and plot holes at times, uh, but it still holds up, which good on you, Michael Bay, because that doesn't happen very often anymore. True, true. Uh, a couple of pertinent fun trivia facts for you guys that may push you over to this being the greatest movie of all time. Um, Billy Bob Thornton has admitted to doing this film for the money and often jokes about acting in it. He has, however, called it not that bad. Uh, Michael Bay <laughs> thinks Armageddon is his worst film. So I will apologize for Armageddon because we had to do the whole movie in 16 weeks. It was a massive undertaking that was not fair to the movie. I would redo the entire third act if I could, which makes me feel better. And, and Drew speaks to your point. Was, he was 33 years old when this movie came out. Like, oh, wow. is that not insane? It is. He yeah. made this movie as a young adult, exploding entire cities. <laughs> I'm super CGI, but filming Bruce Willis, a very famous actor at the time. And this is only his third movie ever That's wild. to direct. Yeah. Um, this film is included in uh, Roger Ebert's most hated list. Uh, <laughs> Ebert called it the first 150 minute trailer which is really funny to think about because of all the quick cuts and explosions <laughs> and, and stuff. It does kind of feel like a really long movie trailer. Um, I, I love that. Like Roger Ebert is like the epitome of crit- critics. Mm-hmm. And also this movie is in the Criterion Collection, which is like yeah. the vault for all of great cinema. And it, it's not in there, ironically. It's in there because it does like a, the, the person in charge of the Criterion Collection like actually enjoyed how they set up the movie, like the ensemble cast and everything. Uh, I think that's hilarious to me. For sure. Um, and then I had one, two more that I thought were fun. Uh, 
According to Ben Affleck, uh, Billy Bob Thornton told him while they were filming that his his love story between uh, Ben Affleck and Liv Tyler's character um, was only included into the movie because Titanic had just come out and everybody loved the Rose and whatever the guy's name is love story in Titanic. So they were thinking they were like, oh, we, we our story needs a love story, which is probably why another 45 minutes are tacked on to this movie when they don't need to be. And uh, Michael Bay continually reminded Affleck that his part could be com- cut completely out of the movie if he didn't do well. <laughs> I think that's so funny to think of like a 33 year old director doing his like third big movie, just being like, hey, Ben Affleck, I know you got an Oscar and all, but like I can cut your part whenever I want if you don't, if you don't deliver here. Um, and then uh, on, a, uh, on the DVD, if you do the, the commentary bit where you can hear the character, the, uh, the actors talk about the movie, Ben Affleck says uh, in the DVD commentary, the scene where Bruce Willis is explaining uh, to, uh, to Billy Bob Thornton's character of why it needs to be drillers that go into space, Ben Affleck says, so in this scene, I asked Michael, why is it easier to train oil drillers to become astronauts than it was to train astronauts to become oil drillers? And Michael looked at me and said, shut the F up. So that was the end of that talk. And we went and shot the scene. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that makes me love this movie so much more. Knowing all the actors are like, really? This is what we're going to do? This is the plan to save the world? And then, yeah, we did it. We did I love it. that Michael Bay treats like, uh, thank you for smoking isms to people in his life. Yes. <laughs> in real life. The one line of dialogue. It's the, whatever. So last questions for you guys. Um, how did Liv Tyler not win an Oscar for this movie? <laughs> or how did this not propel her into stardom? This is my question. Anybody got an answer for that? The only thing I can think of is that this at one point Aerosmith got tied to the like they got uh, Michael Bay put in an Aerosmith song because the producer or produced one of the more Aerosmith in there and so it became a music okay? video yeah sorry I had a stroke there but I know you won't edit that part out so that's fine uh, next question is this the best Aerosmith soundtrack movie of all time? <laughs> <laughs> Because if you think Mrs. Doubtfire's got Dude Looks Like a Lady, uh, I'm pretty sure Fast Times at Midra- at uh, whatever Ridgemont High, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure there's a pretty strong Aerosmith song there. We Are the Millers, uh, Sweet Emotion, if I yeah. remember correctly, is the song that Jennifer Aniston dances to. Uh, but I, do you guys have any other ones? Great, great Steven Tyler songs uh, over the soundtrack? <laughs> No. <laughs> great. Man, Another man, reason this I'd, is the best movie. I wish I had saved my little bit for the second one. I feel like I've swung you both to thinking this is the greatest movie built on. We already said great plot, zero plot holes, no, no lapses in logic. Uh, we already talked about some great one-liners, great lines, great scenes. We already talked about how it's the best Aerosmith soundtrack of all time. Uh, top five casting uh, movies ever. Uh, and by a director who didn't even direct con air so i mean what more could <laughs> I'm, you... I'm glad that we got to... i'm glad that we listed logic here on this podcast on not the gaslight you deserve thank you for listening i've been one of your hosts drew who was trying to remain neutral and give an honest opinion but hey what can i say i'm not the uh, handsome one so my voice doesn't matter uh, I would say this is not the greatest movie ever, but it is one of the greatest movies to throw on, even when it's on CMT channel or whatever. Yeah. 
if I stumble upon this or the replacements just on TV, <laughs> I will turn it on. I, I feel much better. Well, that's high praise. On the same level. Of for those of you who have, for those of you who have never listened to an episode of our podcast, that is high praise it from is. the handsome Drew Crawford. <laughs> <laughs> no other closing thoughts. You guys all good? We all in agreement. Best movie ever. Um, it's I like you're not there, hearing it when we say no. There I, I are definitely that. more spikes per capita in this film than any other movie I've seen in a while. I'll give Most you that explosions much. in a movie, maybe? Yeah, I'll give you that one. Hey, they're <laughs> a lot, and they're really good. I want to know what the ratio of plot holes to explosions is. Ooh, uh, it's close it's to about one. about one to one. <laughs> it's, it's close to one, yeah. Sometimes uh, they're corresponding. If you guys agree with all three of us that Armageddon is the best movie ever made, you can email us at ntpydpodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us on Twitter at ntpydpodcast. We'd love to hear feedback and how much you love Armageddon and how you also agree with us that you also think it is also the greatest movie ever made. Thank you for listening to us. This is not the podcast you deserve. On a side note, we're starting a new Kickstarter for... The two other hosts who don't get to edit this podcast. <laughs> <laughs>